Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Nickel IDP podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst at PFF. Feels like it's been a minute since we did this pod, but we're back in the saddle, ready to review the NFL draft, specifically as it relates to our beloved IDPs, starting with a very interesting edge class. There's plenty to discuss with how these guys will fit into their new teams and what kind of impact we can expect for fantasy. So I'm ready to get into it. I hope you are as well. Let's get it. Time to dive into it, and not only am I back, but I'm bringing Sexy back as well to help me sort out this class with the one and only Joey the Tooth. Joey, how are you, my man? I'm good. How you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good. I'm good. William it's been... Manderson now. Yes, William Manderson. So since he's been drafted, he be- he's become a man. He's become a man. That's right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excited um, about Anderson, and yeah, it- it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this class do it does i feel pretty confident about him but i mean we'll we'll work our way through it and stuff but yeah did you enjoy the draft and everything uh i actually i actually didn't watch too much of it and i just kept kept up on updates but uh i don't know it's kind of lackluster honestly yeah yeah i feel like it wasn't much that i was like oh that's great i mean will anderson texans trading up for will anderson i was like holy cow wow all right that was a big move but other than that it was kind of yeah, 49ers took a kicker in the third, so I was pumped about that. Oh, buddy, what was that? <laughs> Did you get your Jake Moody jersey yet? or Two. <laughs> that was like their second pick of the draft, right? They lost their start, one of their starting offensive tackles, and yeah. I don't think they drafted an offensive lineman. Oh, man, yeah, that, that was a weird choice, especially since Robbie Gold is there, right? Like, no, they actually uh, they let they let them go in free agency this year because they really they, they couldn't come to terms on a contract, oh, which shit. kind of worries me because he's just been so steady and good. I know well, they're gonna I, their you know how much I pay attention to rookie. Kickers. I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, gold was awesome, man. He was steady. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. It was it was a weird kind of draft. Like nothing too exciting, at least for IDP. Usually we get like a few really exciting landing landing spots. This year, really kind of. Um, you know, a mixed batch of just kind of either Jack, Jack Campbell options. Yeah, Jack Campbell's the one, Will Anderson, but man, anybody can emerge anywhere and then a lot of guys are gonna get buried as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it it was kind of a mid draft, but um I mean there's there's some good players in there still. It just yeah. landing spots weren't the best, right? So we'll we'll work through it. We'll figure out, you know, kind of which guys um how they fit in where and what their roles might be, what they might look like for for IDP purposes and stuff like that. I know we got like seven edge defenders drafted from the first round. Um, so we'll talk about all those guys. We'll talk about three more from the second round. 
Um, so that'll round out like the first 10 edges drafted. That's what we'll, we'll focus on, but then we'll also add in uh, a couple sleeper picks as well, uh, at the end who kind of went outside of that range. So, um, yeah, what do you say we just get into it here and start with uh, with Will Anderson, uh, yeah. first round pick out of Alabama and third overall. Yeah, traded up for Will Anderson. That was that was a bold move, very yeah. bold move. But uh, I mean, he's obviously he's the best defender in the draft, almost arguably the best player in the draft. Will Anderson's phenomenal, and then uh, he joins a group that's pretty lackluster. Honestly, he he to me he comes in as he's instantly the best pass rusher on the team. And, there's Jonathan Greeter. He had one good year, but even in that good year, it was an unbelievable conversion rate. Like his pressures were were low. Like he he his conversion rate was unbelievable. I don't remember what it was, but I remember I I did it as a a sell high candidate last year, and he actually he got hurt last year. Right, he was he was out for most of the year. But yeah, he missed some time. I mean, you have, you have Greener, then they brought in Chase Winovich, who's on his third team in three years. Surprisingly, honestly, I thought was, after the beginning of his career in New England, I thought he was actually going to have a pretty decent career, but he just kind of tailed off. And then uh, old man wonder Jerry Hughes, who actually <laughs> played very well last year. Yeah. But, I mean, at the group, it, it'll probably be a slate rotation, but I don't even think it's going to be that heavy of a rotation. I think it's going to be Will Anderson and Jonathan Greenard almost predominantly. Mm-hmm. So Anderson has the ability on that team to, to play three down so I think he's going to be on the field a lot so I I love the landing spot for him and I think he can be productive from week one yeah yeah that I, I mean you're right that that's the one of the the main things right the landing spot's great I, I think he would have been pretty much landing spot proof no matter where he went but it's still nice to have that kind of clear path to snaps um you know probably one of the few players in this class that does have that um which is pretty crazy but yeah, you're right. I mean, elite pass rusher, we know that even without, you know, that crazy kind of bend to his game still wins consistently at a high level. I think that's going to translate um, to, to playing with the Texans as well. And he can handle himself as a run defender. We talked about that. So he should be in for a nice every down roll or near some, something close to it. Um, one of the things, you know, I, I really liked about the the Texans specifically and, and D'Amico Ryan's uh, scheme he, he ran, when he was with the 49ers, one of the highest stunt rates uh, in the league last season, second highest stunt rate um, at 34% of passing plays. Um, we talked about how much, you know, we loved Anderson's quickness at the line of scrimmage. And, it, you know, if they start scheming up rushes for him on stunts and really utilize that speed and pass rush prowess that he has, I think he could be deadly for the Texans as well. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the edge depth there is is kind of ridiculous. Like it you know, Jerry Hughes, Jerry Hughes, like you said, 69 years old, whatever he is now, uh, still still an effective pass rusher somehow. And then, yeah, a couple like one-year wonders, right? Like Chase Winovich and, and Jonathan Greenard. Um, we'll see what happens with Greenard. But yeah, it, so far, it's really just one year on his resume. Um, yeah, obviously love Anderson. He, he was my number one rookie IDP pre-draft. That didn't, tra- that didn't change post-draft. Yeah. I think he should be considered the most valuable defensive player in this class. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, man. All right. Next guy drafted was Tyree Wilson. Um, so he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, first round pick out of Texas Tech, uh, seventh overall. So this actually, this was one when we talked about it uh, in the pre-draft was this was my favorite landing spot for him mm-hmm. in, in the the pre-draft episode. So I definitely like the fit. I'm, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, he, he's going to have a chance to, to play behind some 
established starters at least to start his career and I'm also kind of glad the NFL didn't go like the the mystery box route again this year like they did last year with with uh, Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson right like right um, yeah not not just as like a I think it was a plus tw- plus 275 better of Will Anderson as the first defensive player drafted but just for the sake of how um to value athleticism in, in purely developmental projects it's putting way too much faith in in your belief that a you know a player um will absolutely develop into the elite prospect that you're hoping for and not just sure you know i, I just don't think anybody should be that confident uh in their evaluations considering how often yeah. these guys don't work out right and and yep. you know so far with walker it hasn't necessarily looked that great but again it's only one year and we knew it was kind of a developmental thing but there was talk about Tyree Wilson going ahead of Will Anderson in this in this draft as well, right? So hopefully, you know, there there, be, there gets to be a better value or evaluation process for these, you know, freaky athletes um, that maybe need some time to develop into elite pass rushers in the NFL because, yeah, Will Anderson should come out the gate swinging, whereas Tyree Wilson maybe not so much. But even seventh overall pick, you know, could be argued as as a bit early for Wilson, but. I, I do get it to an extent, although I, I wouldn't have taken him over Jalen Carter, for example. So, you know, he lands in a good spot, I think, to develop and play behind Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, guys who have had success winning in a variety of ways in their their NFL careers. And it gives him a chance to learn from them before he's thrust into a full-time starting role, which I figure won't be until next year at the earliest, um, even with Jones, you know, taking a significant step back last year. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I have him ranked as my my fourth ranked IDP in this class behind Anderson, Campbell, Carter. And I get it if anyone wants to put him higher based on potential or even put him lower uh, because he is a project and isn't slated for a volume-heavy role early in his career. So either way, he's, he isn't someone I've actually drafted so far in my rookie drafts. I just think like Trayvon Walker last year, he makes sense as someone to try and buy a little cheaper down the road um, while he's on the brink of breaking out, maybe like year three, something like that. But I'd be surprised if we get consistent production out of him prior to that. Yeah, I I really like the landing spot too. I mean, he gets to learn from Crosby and Chandler Jones. Uh, I think being just a pass rush specialist to start his career, it's going to mask some of his deficiencies. I mean, the whole talk about him going over Anderson was kind of mind-blowing because, I mean, Wilson's not really like an explosive athlete. Like Trayvon Walker was an explosive athlete at the Combine. I mean, Wilson didn't really compete at the combine because he had the injury, and he didn't really show, like, too much explosion on the field. But, uh, I mean, he was a massive man and very explosive for his his giant frame. So it's nice seeing him land at a spot where he can learn from a couple of veterans and move into a role that's still going to put him across from the premier pass rusher. So I, I love the landing spot. So I, I actually think I have Wilson as my uh, IDP3 just because I think his long-term potential is fantastic yeah absolutely yeah i mean i get it for sure right he's got that he's got ridiculous wingspan he's got great size that again the athleticism's there it's just yeah it when once he gets to that potential if he does i mean that's where you'll really start to see that value come through for for idp so i absolutely get it um yeah man so another guy um drafted here in the top half of the first round it was lucas van ness goes to the green bay packers uh first round pick out of iowa and it was 13th overall what what did you think about lucas van ness uh in green bay 
Uh, I, I like the landing spot. It's a little more crowded than some of the other spots, but uh, I mean, it comes with, I think Van Ness is going to be able to, to move around the line a little bit. So in Green Bay, they have Rashawn Gary. He's coming back off of an injury from last year. And then when, once he went down, I mean, their pass rush seems to seem to suffer. I mean, Kings, they have Kingsley and Igbare, rookie from last year, and Preston Smith. Preston Smith's, I think, 32 this year. So he's getting old. Kingsley and Igbari didn't really show too much last year, and they it showed that they needed to add depth in the line. So then they go and get Lucas Van Ness, who is just a pure power pass rusher, something that not many of these guys actually are. And uh, he he comes also with the ability to play a little uh, defensive end. He, he could play on, on the inside a little bit, a 3-4 DN, while the, a couple of the other guys play outside linebacker. So... He has the ability to slide outside, stay inside a little bit. So I actually like the fit in Green Bay. I mean, they have Devonte Wyatt, Kenny Clark, and then I think it's Dean Lowry on the inside. So mm-hmm. Van Ness able to slide all along that line is actually a, a great move for Green Bay to keep that line strong. I mean, it's been one of their strengths for a few years now, and and adding Van Ness just keeps it going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's you nailed it. That's everything that. I think of with Van Ness as well, like that pure power, you know, he's an absolute specimen, great size and yeah, definitely opportunity for him to play more inside, which he did quite a bit in college as well. It's, it's a really nice landing spot, even with Rashawn Gary, um, back in the lineup. I mean, like you said, Preston Smith's during the end of his career. I, I think he should be a big part of the future there in Green Bay. He, I think I have him as IDP five in this rookie class. So um, yeah, I like the landing spot a lot. I, I wasn't crazy about him in the pre-draft process, but it, I mean, I think he, I think he's still going to get decent opportunity in Green Bay, even with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, just because, like you said, he has that versatility to play all along the line and 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 be effective. And that power is uh, is an NFL level, so um, he should be able to translate, hopefully, to uh, to the next level. All right, let's go to from Iowa to Iowa State. Will McDonald, um, first round pick out of Iowa State and 15th overall goes to the New York Jets. So another guy I wasn't like a big fan of um, when we did this in the pre-draft process, um, you know, looking at him from an IDP lens, I just think he's going to be a very boom bust uh, based on kind of how teams and now specifically the Jets um, might view him at, and use him. He, to me, he projects very much like a pass rush specialist um, and, and doesn't have the ideal size or strength um, to necessarily get that consistent work on on rundowns when offensive linemen are, are on the attack, right? So you, you factor in, you know, players like um, that, that, that should see decent snaps over there, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers. They just spent a first round pick on Jermaine Johnson last year as well. Uh, you know, it doesn't leave a ton of opportunities for him to get relevant IDP snaps. I, I could see them using him like a kind of like a souped up Bryce Huff um, from last year where they they literally only played him on third and fourth downs, um, like obvious passing situations. So can see that at least for him in year one. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't love his opportunity as a rookie. He's not like a Lucas Van Ness where you can kick him inside and, and you know, he can work you know, on run defense in the middle of the line or attack from the middle. He's, he's a, he is a smaller player, but it, I think it's going to take him some time. So I think I have him, uh, IDP 11 for, for this class right now. Yeah. I think I have him somewhere right around that range as well. 
And I think the Jets went into the draft thinking the same thing, that they know that's what McDonald is. So they looked at their roster, and Jermaine Johnson, he's actually a fantastic run defender. Uh, John Franklin Myers, also a pretty good run defender. Mm-hmm. So then they have Will McDonald, who can come in, just play pure pass rush snaps. He, he gets, He's on the field, he's got one job, just pass rush, which he's good at. He can pass rush, he's quick. Something that they kind of lack from that team. and uh, But I think, like you said, he's just going to be pure pass rush. I don't think Jermaine Johnson's going to, I think he's going to play a lot more on rundowns this year than he did as a rookie. And uh, I think Will McDonald's really just going to come in and just third down really and just pass rush. That's it. Yeah. I think, I think Carl Lawson's still going to be the, the, the dominant snap guy here and Franklin Myers. And I think it's Jermaine Johnson's going to work in a little bit. And I honestly don't see Will McDonald. I think he's probably going to be third or fourth in the depth chart. Yeah. Yeah, at least for this year, right? I mean, there, right. there's a chance they'll move on from Carl Lawson next year, and yeah. we'll see what happens with John Franklin Myers as well. But yeah, this year for sure, I mean, it, it just feels like a pass rush specialist type uh, situation, and it, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how he does in the NFL, just considering his size and everything. And um, But yeah, if they use him in that kind of Bryce Huff role like last year, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Miles Murphy. Um, also a first round pick goes to, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals coming out of Clemson, uh, 29th overall. What did you think about Murphy to the Bengals? Uh, Murphy pre-draft was my, my D2. He was just right behind Will Anderson. I think, I feel like he's the most complete edge defender in this class outside of Anderson. And I actually like the landing spot in, uh, Cincinnati. So Joseph Asai, he showed some flashes, so he he's the other young defender there. But Sam Hubbard has always been a fantastic run defender, but he lacked an actual pass rush. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson was actually a good pass rusher, but he lacked in his run defense. Yeah, Miles Murphy comes in, and he's already the, the most complete edge defender on that team. I mean, he's going to be a better pass rusher than Sam Hubbard, and he's going to be a better run defender than Trey Hendrickson, and he's better at both than Joseph Asai. So I think... Both Hubbard and Hendrickson, I think they got extensions, but I think after 2024, they have outs in their contracts, both their contracts. So I think it could be as soon as 2024 that Miles Murphy is actually the best edge defender on that team. Yeah, we're we're locked in together on uh, Miles Murphy. We we both had him edge two uh, before the draft, and we both see the the landing spot the exact same way. I I, I agree with you completely, man. Like Sam Hubbard. He's just an okay pass rusher, very much a compiler uh, at that position because he does, you know, he puts up decent numbers, but he's not, you know, winning consistently or cleanly um, uh, on a regular basis. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think he could develop into a better pass rusher than Hubbard and and a better run defender than Trey Hendrickson. I don't think Trey Hendrickson uh, is going to see a lot more of those run defense opportunities with Murphy in the mix now as well. So, um, yeah, I actually really like the fit. I think he can be a real asset for their defensive line and cover up some of those flaws of their starters, like you said. And um, yeah, the good thing, you know, about the way this draft shook out, as much as we loved him, we had him as our edge too. Um, you don't have to take him that high uh, because of how uh, the draft shook out. So typically see him going later in the fourth round on average. Um, so easy to grab. Uh, in all formats and even stashing them should pay off down the road. Like you said, with those contract outs, um, in 2024. So I, I still love them. I have them ranked as my IDP six, but again, you probably don't have to take them that high. You can likely wait it out slightly longer than, than, than that in drafts. 
Yeah. Um, all right, another first round guy. Uh Nolan Smith out of Georgia, lands with the Philadelphia Eagles. Shocker. Uh 31st overall, Nolan Smith. So I feel almost exactly the same about Smith as I did with McDonald's. You know, both guys profile very similarly as these kind of strong pass rushers, but on the smaller side and and they might get pushed around a little bit more on rundowns. So for me, Smith was a little, like he was actually a lot more impressive as a run defender mm-hmm. um, than, than McDonald because even at his size, he clearly has strength to his game. Mm-hmm. Um, you just might not necessarily be enough to to translate to the NFL. We'll see how the Eagles use him, but he does have a lot more competition for snaps than than even McDonald's when you consider the quality uh, of players on that Eagles defensive line, Reddick, Sweat, Graham, even Barnett. But, um, you know, it, it's really kind of a perfect spot too at the same time to learn, you know, how to overcome size issues as an edge rusher landing with Hassan Reddick, who mm-hmm. almost exactly the same coming out of college, right? He was, he was the smaller guy that, um, was an edge in college that they talked about moving off ball. But, um, there, there were similar thoughts with, uh, with Nolan Smith, uh, before the draft as well. So I think I mentioned this on our, like our live stream show of the draft as well, but maybe it's a crazy idea, but I think, I think I mentioned it, but there was talks about Smith potentially playing like off ball in the NFL, just like Reddick. So would the Eagles want to try him there? occasionally as a rookie to get him on the field, especially considering, you know, his strong run instincts and somewhere where he can maybe avoid the size issues a little more in that regard might be an asset there, especially for a team that doesn't have much depth behind Dean and Morrow. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's something that I, I'm floating out there as a maybe. <laughs> we'll see because, it, you know, these these NFL teams obviously they'll get a look at these guys and figure out exactly what their strengths are and how they fit into the defense once they get them on the field. But because of the size thing and because of his ability to play the run so well and so sound, I, I just thought you know maybe there's a chance that they they would utilize him there as like a depth option at the off ball linebacker spot um, while he gets used to playing in the NFL and just to get him on the field basically. Yeah, it, it's a. It's a weird landing spot. I mean, the the Eagles killed the draft. They did a great yeah. job. Their their front office is leaps and bounds. Seems like ahead of everybody else right now. But uh, yeah, Smith at his size, he shows a great ability to anchor in the run game. Like he he's just he can hold his spot with with bigger linemen. So, like you said, he he's a much better run defender than Will McDonald is. And with that said, like you said, off ball linebackers not really out there as an idea I mean he's he's just a great player he's very instinctive I, it was always just a size issue so he was kind of a tweener does he does he it was just like Reddick was when he came in does he move to off ball linebacker does he stick to edge um it, it's almost like hey look what we did with Reddick let's just keep Nolan Smith in the same way if we can do this with Reddick why can't we do it with Smith so mm-hmm. Brandon Graham's getting older obviously I mean he's what 35 this year yeah. he's old yeah, that's very <laughs> old. I mean, I mean, last year was his most productive season, pretty much. If you look, if you look based off of like pure efficiency and everything, it was yeah. like one of his best seasons ever. So, learn yeah. from Brandon Graham. You can uh, the Eagles obviously use a pass rush rotation. I think Hassan Reddick was their highest in snaps. I think he was only like seventy four percent or seventy nine percent last year. So they obviously use a pass rush rotation. So he will see the field, and if he does, they do adapt with him in off ball linebacker. Then he's definitely going to see the field a lot more so the potential 
is there for Smith. You just kind of has to see how his usage is going to play out. But, I mean, at worst case, you could see maybe Josh Sweet, like, from two years ago, mm-hmm. where he was he was coming off the bench a little bit. So maybe that type of role. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we're we're not starting him as as a rookie, most likely. If you drafted him in a dynasty rookie draft, it, you just you're just not going to play him year one. He'll be he'll be on the the taxi squad more than likely. And I mean, outside of like the deepest deep leaks, you're, you're just there's going to be other more reliable edge defenders on a weekly basis. But he is a really good player, and like you said, it's a great landing spot to to kind of learn from the the likes of like guys like Hassan Raddick and Brandon Graham. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to, I think it's just going to take some time for him to develop um, or at least see the field uh, on a consistent basis where we can't trust him. So it does make sense. Um, let's go to one more uh, first round edge out of Kansas state. Uh Felix Anaduke Uzama goes to the Kansas City Chiefs with the 32nd overall pick. So uh, what did you think about uh, the Chiefs landing FAU? I love their landing spot. It's fantastic. There's not much there to challenge him. I mean, George Karlaftis, he's going to be on the other end. Obviously, last year's first round pick, he finished the season on fire last year. And then there's really nobody else. I mean, they they brought in Charles Amenahu. Charles Menehu, he's also been a player who hasn't who's been a little underwhelming throughout his career. Last year he got the the option to play a little less, but still he played across from Nick Bosa and he had his best year to date. But still I think it was only five sacks last season. So he's not gonna come in and light the world on fire. And I love what FAU brings to the Chiefs. I mean, he brings length, he brings athleticism, he brings his bend. Something that they don't have, like Carlitis, as good as he was, he's still more of a, a a power rusher. And FAU, he brings that athleticism, he brings the bet, he brings a little more explosion. And uh, I think he, honestly, I think he could challenge a man who first snaps right away and possibly even a starting role. I mean, it, it would almost be smart for the Chiefs to even slide a man who inside. I mean, he's played some interior line with when he was with the Texans, I believe. And, uh, I mean, outside of Chris Jones, they have what Derek Anadi, who is yeah. I mean, that's Derek Anadi. Yeah. So I mean, if you want your best players on the field at the time, FAU, Carlaftis, Chris Jones, Charles Amenhu, that's a pretty potent pass rush front line. Yeah. So I, I actually think he could be a very productive and high volume rookie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, he was another guy that that was excited about pre-draft and he you know he just barely sneaks into the first round here and I, I'm with you I like the, I like the landing spot a lot um and I like what you said too in getting those guys on the field all at once because the Chiefs did that a lot last year um with their edge rushers they they really liked I think they used like a mugged up look more than any other team um defense in the, in the NFL last year and they they did that by not only including their linebackers up on the line of scrimmage but putting a lot of edge rushers out there on obvious passing down. So they would use, um, whether it was Frank Clark or, or, uh, Michael Dana, um, who else was there? Carlos Dunlap, uh, guys like that, George Karloftis as well. They put them all out there at once, um, along with Chris Jones to, to make the most effective, um, pass rushing defensive line that they have. Um, so it makes sense, you know, especially with, uh, with Clark and, and, uh, 
uh, Dunlap out the door. You got you've got options now um, with with Anaduke Uzama and and, and Charles Omenihu, like you said, can play inside as well. He's comfortable there. Karloftis as well. Whoever it ends up being, but there's opportunity for snaps there and and big pass rush snaps as well, which is something that um, I think FAU was was one of the better, um, more polished uh, pass rushers at. Uh, in this class. So there, there should be opportunity there. There should be some IDP relevancy, um, as well. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about him, uh, in Kansas city, I think. Yeah. I think, uh, he's actually the guy I've drafted the most so far. His his name somehow just keeps dropping and dropping and dropping. Everybody's going for all these other prospects and it's just, I'm still getting him in like the end of the fourth, the fifth round. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, that that's perfect. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think I have him as my my IDP ten, um, and I just think he, he didn't get the the pre draft hype that 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 a lot of these other guys did. And I don't know if it was just you know playing at Kansas State or or whatever. It's not like a you know the biggest of name schools, I guess. So um, yeah, maybe that was part of it. Right at the end of the at the end of the first round as well. It's not as exciting, but. It's it's a great landing spot. He's a great player. I think there's there's definitely opportunity there. That's that's great value in the fourth mm-hmm. fifth round for sure. Um, all right, let's go into the second round here. And the first edge drafted in the second round was Derek Hall uh, out of Auburn. Goes to the Seattle Seahawks, thirty eighth overall. So this was the only guy that got drafted inside the top 10 edge rushers that we didn't talk about last time around. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Keon White uh, was one that we did talk. He drops out. I think we both had him as 10 anyways um, yeah. on our pre-draft list. And uh, he's actually, by the way, another landing spot that uh, I called correctly. So if you want to hear my thoughts on Keon White and him in New England, uh, then listen to the pre-draft episode <laughs> because we, we literally covered it. Um, but yeah, back to Hall where, you know, the Seahawks apparently had a first round grade on him. Um, that like they had 20 players of the first round grade. They had Derek Hall as, as a first round player. So really interesting there. Um, they're really high on him. Obviously explains why they went early second round in the draft. I mean, he's a good player for sure. Um, they posted an 87.5 two year pass rush grade, which was ninth best for this edge class. Um, but was even better on like true pass sets as well. He had a 91 uh, point one pass rush grade, which was fifth uh, in this class. So strong numbers there. Um, but you know he's not great in run defense, which is fine because he'll still probably be, be probably be better than uh, Daryl Taylor, who was awful last year. So um, decent shot at opportunity, decent pass rush metrics, high end athleticism. I, I like his chances to see the field as a rookie and and be like a significant part of that Seahawks defense. I know Adam's a big fan of his as well. And, and we know Adam has a unreal eye for talent. So just another box ticked uh, for Mr. Hall with the, the Addy stamp of approval. But yeah, I feel okay about him in Seattle. I, you know, I know there's some guys there in Chad and Wosu, Daryl Taylor, um, but uh, Boye Mafe from last year's draft as well from the second round. But I think he's decent enough, you know, and, and they're obviously high on him. Um, that they'll probably get him out there quite a bit, and he could be relevant in in year one. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a decent landing spot because outside of Nwosu, there wasn't really anybody that blew your mind in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Taylor, he did finish the season incredibly high as a pass yeah. rusher, at least. Yeah. I mean, his run defense is still incredibly poor, but yeah. which is somewhere where Derek Hall might improve. But 
it's it's a little more crowded than I'd like because I don't I didn't really see Derek Hall as like a a mind blowing prospect, somebody who who's gonna need snaps right away. I feel like he's gonna have to earn them. And uh, Mafe didn't really see the field too much last year. I think Hall's a better prospect than Mafe, but still, I mean, you have you have Mafe, Taylor, and you have Nwosu, and then you're gonna bring in Derek Hall. So it's gonna be a little crowded, but they could also be doing a large rotation somewhat similar to what Philly does. Mm-hmm. But I think but I think it's gonna vary a lot early in the season. They're gonna see what their best lineup is. I think it's gonna take a little bit of mis mix match just to see who works best together. So I think for the most part, I mean you have Mafe and you have Hall or Young. Daryl Taylor's not really that old either. And Wosu I think is what, twenty seven? So it's not really an it's not really an old group, so I think it's just finding who plays best together. So I think it's going to be a pretty big rotation to start, and then they're going to get their best pass rushers out there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, he, he it, it might not be right away to start the season. Like you said, there might be a feeling out process there for for how these guys fit and and who will see who will emerge and and see more snaps. But um, yeah, I think he's a good enough prospect that that depth chart is is not impossible for him to overtake right so um it'll it'll be a fun one to watch for sure um how about isaiah foskey um going to the new orleans saints uh, second round pick out of notre dame he went 41st overall i love the draft capital for foskey uh, i was a little i at first i didn't like the landing spot because i thought of who's already there you have cameron jordan peyton turner uh carl granderson so cameron jordan he's He's like the Iron Man of IDP. <laughs> uh, then you have uh, Carl Granderson, who was coming off his best season yet, and he actually was very impressive last year. And then you have Peyton Turner, who was just kind of like that often injured but still first-round draft capital edge defender, which seems like the Saints thing now. So let's draft an edge at the end of the first round or mid-first round and just watch him get injured for a while, and we'll never actually see his potential. <laughs> but Kevin Jordan's not going to last forever. He's, I think, 32 this year, 33. So you bring in a guy explosive like Foskey, he's he's going to learn from Jordan. He's going to play probably across from whoever wins out. It's going to be Turner and uh, Granderson. I think I honestly think Granderson's going to win the job this year to start. And then from then on, it's going to be the three men because Jordan's going to be gone soon. So it's going to be Granderson if they re-sign him, uh, Turner if he signs after his rookie contract if they keep him. So it's like Turner could be gone, and then it's going to be Foskey coming in. So Foskey actually has a path to decent volume maybe not year one but potentially year two year three so he's going to be probably a pass rush specialist to start his career but there's the potential to be a volume player yeah yeah that's the thing right it it might not be the most exciting landing spot in new orleans at least not right now but it's a lot of these guys have similar situations where we're gonna have to be patient and wait it out a little bit because yeah i think Carl Granderson, Peyton Turner, you know, these aren't elite edge rushers to make it impossible for him to, to move up to the front of the depth chart, but I'd still have a tough time seeing a huge role for him as as a rookie at least. Um, I think there's still a lot of growing for him to do as a pass rusher, so playing behind Granderson and maybe Turner makes sense for me, and, and we know the Saints are going to roll out Cameron Jordan, like you said, for 850-plus snaps as long as he's still breathing. So uh, it, it might be tougher for him to get in there right out the gate. Uh, I'm fine not taking him in rookie drafts right now and, and waiting it out until the situation clears up a bit because there's there's going to be a lot of leaks where he's on waivers by the end of the season and you can yeah. scoop him up before the start of next year kind of thing, right? So mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I think I got them like IDP 23 overall for this yeah. rookie class right now. So you don't have to take them in rookie drafts. You could take them at the end if you want, if you got a taxi squad spot or something like that, that you can stash them on. But I mean, there's, there's no kind of urgency to, to, to add Foskey to the roster right now. And, um, might just have to wait a little bit for him to, to emerge. All right. One more, uh, for our top 10 here in uh, this rookie edge class was BJ Ojolari. So um, second round pick out of LSU, he goes 42nd overall. I guess it was the 41st pick I'm seeing on my graphics here um, because of Miami screwing things up. But um, yeah, anyways, BJ Ojolari, I I think I had him somewhere in the middle last time we did this, but I just kept getting lower on him as we got closer to the draft. Um, You know, I, I like the landing spot though, that that, is one of the better ones uh, for this class. Um, so, you know, if he could develop, I think, into a more complete pass rusher, I think he could be a really good IDP option. The problem is he's not, he's also not one of those guys that I expect to play a lot on like early downs, not just because of his size, but doesn't really have the strength to win consistently in that role. Typically, um, he relies more on that kind of quickness to win where, uh, you know, in the past, that that's just much tougher to do in the, in the NFL. So, um, it, it's a great landing spot. There's there's really not much else there in, in Arizona. I like Myshe Sanders and and Cameron Thomas, um, but they're you know they're not uh, elite names by any means, and and they should still play because Ojolari himself is not an elite uh, player. But I have him as like IDP twenty uh, in my rookie ranks. Just just for considering him from a dynasty perspective, I'm not confident in him as a long-term prospect versus, you know, his opportunity in year one, which isn't necessarily guaranteed in year two, I guess, if he doesn't perform well. So I'm lower on him for sure. I might prop him up in redraft ranks, but don't have all that much love for him in dynasty right now. I really like the landing spot in Arizona because, I mean, like you said, it's Cameron Thomas and Majai Sanders as the starting outside linebackers right now. And I honestly think with J.J. Watt retiring and Zach Allen moving on to Denver that Cameron Thomas is probably better off as your 3-4-N taking yeah. over for Zach Allen. I mean, I I feel like he's incredibly similar to Zach Allen mm-hmm. as as a player. So I feel like if... No, nah, I don't want to say if they were smart because I don't want to say it'd, it'd be stupid if they didn't, but I think it would be in their best interest to maybe even try that out to get their young edge defenders all on the field at the same time. I mean, Ojolari, I think, is probably the... Well, my Jay Sanders is pretty explosive, but I was going to say he's probably the most explosive pass rusher they have. I think he's actually probably more complete as a pass rusher. And on and all, honestly, I always thought I thought he was an incredibly good counter rusher in college. I thought he, he had good counters, and it's something that Sanders doesn't really have. He's just more of an explosive speed rusher. Cameron Thomas is kind of more of the the power hand technique rusher. So I think B.J. Ojolari is kind of more the most complete at least pass rusher they have, but like you said, he won't be big on early downs. He's not going to be a great run defender in the NFL. He's going to need some time to work. He's going to need time to to get progress, but I really like the landing spot, and I think in Arizona where the line is incredibly thin, you could see all three of them on the field more often than people are thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that, that defensive line is brutal, but I, I think you're right. Like Cameron Thomas kicking inside, I think that makes a lot of sense. He he really is, yeah, very similar to, to Zach Allen, like you said. So I think that would make sense, especially on those, you know, obvious passing situations, put him and Sanders and uh, 
um, Ojolari out there all at the same time and, and hopefully um, develop some kind of passing pass rush attack because, yeah, there's there's not a lot of options for them there. And I don't think Arizona's going to be very good this year, uh, unfortunately, especially with Kyler Murray still not recovered from an ACL injury and he might not start the year. So going to be a rough year for Arizona. I'm okay with that. I love yeah. the, the NFC West getting <laughs> a little weaker while the 49ers sure. kick from the third. Right, yeah, and they're struggling to start either yeah. Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. Or Sam Darnold. Or Sam Darnold, that's right, yeah, he's a, he's entered his name into the mix, yeah. It's like, San Francisco, you have a clear path to being the easy number one team in the NFC West. Don't make it difficult. And, yeah, I, it, it, it is going to be difficult, but... Uh... <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. They've got some options there. I feel like they might just give Trey Lance the chance. I just uh, They're so invested in him, man. Yeah. You give him three first-round picks for him. You have to give him another shot. I mean, the guy got hurt. It was only, what, two games? One of them was right. like a ridiculous weather game or whatever, too. So, right. yeah. You got to give him another shot. So I, I get Brock Purdy performed well last year, but just don't make it Sam Darnold, please. We've seen what Sam mm-hmm. Darnold is. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the signing and I was just like, God, no. Yeah. Quarterback controversy with Sam Darnold. Oh, man. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that's our 10 edge defenders and a little San Francisco quarterback talk. Um, we got, a, we both got a couple sleepers here um, to throw in, you know, guys that you can target maybe uh, super, super late in, in rookie drafts or, or after rookie drafts a lot of the time. Um, that have, you know, a, a decent outlook either for this year or guys that could actually be decent stashes for next year um, to emerge in, in decent situations. So I'll let Joey kick us off here. Who is your uh, first sleeper that you like from this edge class? Uh, Zach Harrison from uh, Ohio State. He was uh, drafted by the Falcons. Uh, third round, 75th overall. So decent draft capital. And he goes to a team that was... That, they've been searching for a pass rusher for years now. I mean, they thought they got it in Dante Fowler a couple of years ago, and that didn't happen. Uh, they drafted Arnold Ebiketti last year, and he, he was okay. He was decent, but he played much better in run defense, honestly, than as a pass rusher. And uh, I think we actually talked about that, how good Ebiketti was as an actual run defender mm-hmm. last year during this pot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And then they re-signed Lorenzo Carter, who was Lorenzo Carter. You know what you get with Lorenzo Carter. You're not getting pass rush there either. They did go sign Bud Dupree, but he's pretty much a pass rush specialist. So Zach Harrison, though he wasn't incredibly productive in college as a pass rusher, like he didn't finish well, his stat numbers didn't jump out too. He was a he was an imposing player. He's a he's got unbelievable length. I think he's got thirty six inch arms. Uh, he's just he's just he's just a very big individual. He's a powerful individual, and he's just different from anybody else on that team. I feel like, I mean. Ebiketti's somewhat similar to him. I think is going to be a better pass rusher than Zach Harrison, honestly. But Zach Harrison's just—he's going to be a good edge, a good run defender. He's going to be a, a decent pass rusher, and he has third-round draft capital on a team that honestly might be slightly competitive in the NFC South. I think I think Atlanta has a sneaky chance with some of the additions they made this offseason to actually be competitive in the NFC South. So Zach Harrison, I think he'll see the field. He'll be part of a rotation, but he I think he will see the field some as a rookie and the potential in the future. Yeah. Yeah, it's an improving team. I, I mean, you know, 
nothing's done in, in one off season, but they're they're definitely improving. I mean, adding Jesse Bates definitely helps that that secondary as well, and a few other pieces there. And uh, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see what Desmond Ritter could do too. But you know, he's definitely got the weapons now with they, them bringing in Bijan and spending top ten picks on tight end, wide receiver, running back now in the last three drafts. So right. um, no excuses no. there. I mean, it's it's going to be up to uh, to Ritter to see if he can perform. So. You're right. The NFC South is going to be pretty wild. It should be fun to see uh, what they can do there. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I like I like Zach Harrison as well. The draft capital is nice. Playing out of Ohio State as well. Um, yeah, they, it's it's not a great defensive line. Still, there's 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 guys that he can leapfrog uh, on that depth chart and get on the field. So, um, I like the call uh, with Zach Harrison. Who is your other sleeper? Uh, Byron Young from Tennessee landing with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, he's incredibly explosive. Uh, he, like you said right here, he's a good finisher. Uh, he's not the most polished as a pass rusher, but his athleticism jumps off the tape. He, he was huge at the combine. Um, he even in college, he showed an ability to even drop in coverage, which is big with, uh, with the Rams. I know they did that with Floyd a little bit last year. So Floyd's gone. Um, there's nobody else. He's gone. Yeah. His other <laughs> gone. Like, who else? Is Michael Michael Hoecht, who moved from the inside to outside linebacker at what? He's like what? Three hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> he's a three hundred pound outside he's linebacker. Huge. So, he's huge. Yeah. I mean, he he played well last year, but I mean, yeah. even outside of Hoecht, there's nobody else. I I honestly could see a clear path, almost to a starting role as a rookie yeah. for Byron Young. Yeah, for sure. It it their defense is is literally. Um, the Will Smith empty house meme from Fresh Prince. It's there's nobody left in LA. It might be the saddest defense in the entire league, and they have arguably the best defensive player in the entire league, which is crazy. Oh, um, yeah, it's just they're so depleted. There's no proven starters anywhere. Um, literally anyone could emerge as a starter from this group this season. It, it's it's a fascinating edge group. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look at the names on here. So Michael. Oh man, they they corrected me on this uh, on the the landing spots pod because I said it wrong the first time. I think it's Hoyt. I think that's why they is it really. I I I think so. Uh, ask uh, Jay Cole Hickett. He was the one that corrected me. I had no idea. I think I said Hecht originally. Um. <laughs> so yeah, him. Uh. Then there's Nick Hampton, Keir Thomas, Matthew Jester, Ochuan Mathis, Zach Van Valkenburg. I mean, it literally sounds like I'm making names up, and I promise you, I'm not. It is worth a Google for sure. They're they're it's gonna like suck, man. Episode, yeah. Zach Van Valkenburg is uh, <laughs> that. That sounds like a, a completely made up name. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody is just messing with us uh, with the Rams depth <laughs> chart. Um, and if not, and, uh, apologies to the Van Valkenburg family. And you even men- mentioned uh, Nick Hampton. And as we were talking yep. the rookie edge class, I mean, he's could be a super deep sleeper yeah. that can actually save yeah. some time on the field. Absolutely, yeah. There, it's it's completely depleted. It, it's absolutely wild to see. Um, so yeah, the Rams they're not going to be good this year. I mean, Aaron Donald can only do so much. So yeah, there's another one for your NFC West. <laughs> Um, so for me, I had a couple sleepers, uh, as well. The first one that I put here was, uh, KJ Henry. Um, so he was a fifth round pick out of Clemson, 137th overall, I guess that is. So, um, goes to the Washington commanders and, and he was actually 
you know, interestingly enough about him, he, he was the top pass rusher at Clemson last season, uh, even ahead of Miles Murphy. So he he earns an 84.0 pass rush grade, posted 53 total pressures. Um, both of those were tops on the team. Um, and, and the main thing for me with Henry is just taking a really cheap swing on him now knowing that both Montez Sweat and Chase Young are both scheduled to be UFAs after this season. There's no clear successor for them at this point. I mean, you got to figure one of Sweat or Young will get re-signed, but that still leaves a big hole and opportunity for someone like Henry to step up and potentially show some promise as a rookie and, and earn that spot going forward. So, you know, he had a breakout year for in 2022 for Clemson, so could potentially be putting it all together now. Um, why not take a really cheap flyer on these guys um, and, and just stash them away and hope that his stock increases after either Chase Young or Montez Sweat departs in free agency. Yeah, and there was even talks leading up to the draft that both Young and Sweat were available. Right. So, That's I mean, right. obviously they're ready to move on. So, Henry could, if, if one gets even traded this year, he could have a potential role in the second half of the season if one goes at the trade deadline. But, uh, I mean, yeah, a- after... Sweat and Young, it's uh, F.A. Obata, and then they were yeah. Tony. And Tony's suspended for betting on football. Dumb. Right, that's right. God, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the depth after Young and Sweat is challenging. Nothing. So uh, Henry almost comes in as the number three already. I mean, Obata was pretty good last year, in in times, but uh, he's not gonna. He's not overly impressive. So Henry could come in and be their their number three edge defender, and possibly after next year, who knows if they even. I'm, I'm sure they do re-sign one of them. You know, I think it all depends how it plays out this year with with Sweat and Young. But mm-hmm. he could even come in and be their number one, and who knows? Maybe they move on from both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it's definitely a possibility, right? I mean, I think if Chase Young can stay healthy for the entire season, I think he'll be able to show enough that they'll be like, okay, we can't let him so walk I feel like we but kind of need it yeah we definitely do i mean it was an elite elite prospect and yeah. just hasn't been healthy so yeah you, you got to see the guy obviously stay healthy in the nfl to to really have faith in him but i, I still feel like it, it's not over for chase young i think there's definitely an opportunity for him to to put it together and and be an effective edge rusher that even to the level that he was expected to be i think it's still early in his career, early enough in his career, at least, um, that we shouldn't close the door on him just yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then at one more sleeper for me, I put, uh, Nick Herbig out of Pittsburgh. Um, so fourth round pick, uh, out of Wisconsin, uh, is Nick Herbig. And honestly, you know, he, I get, he, he definitely lacks like ideal size. So there was talk of him, uh, moving to like off ball linebacker in the NFL as well. And, and that could still happen, which, maybe gives him a shot to show off some of his um, elite pass rush tools as a blitzer in, in sub packages, a big part of what the Steelers like to do with their defense last year as well. So I, I, the, I really like the fit. Um, mainly for me, though, the the depth behind TJ Watt and, and Alex Highsmith is pretty uninspiring. Um, and the Steelers lean on those guys a ton on a weekly basis. So there's going to be a need to give those guys some respite. And I think her big uh, definitely has the chops to step in early, uh, you know, over the last two seasons. So this is when compared to every other edge defender in this class over the last two seasons, Herbig had the second best pass rush grade, 92.8. He had the best pass rush grade on true pass sets, 93.2. 
He had the best pass rush win rate overall at 25.4%, and he had the best pressure rate at 19.4%, and the fourth best run defense grade uh, as well at 83.1%. So even as a smaller edge, the man has significant pass rush upside if he can get on the field, and Highsmith scheduled to be a free agent at the end of the season as well. So there's an opportunity there. That's that's kind of what makes these guys sleepers, right? It's a little bit of projecting for the future and what they could be and, and trying to figure out where the opportunities are. Um, but yeah, Herbig's another one of those guys I wouldn't mind stashing um, in, in deeper leagues and, and taking a shot. Because if he gets a starting role in Pittsburgh, that's massive from uh, for a fantasy perspective, as we've seen um, with guys like Highsmith and obviously TJ Watt. Yeah, and uh, I saw a stat on Nick Herbig. I mean, he spends his life in the backfield. I think 26% of his career yeah. tackles were tackles for a loss. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's that's an impressive stat. Yeah. So, and I mean, coming out of Wisconsin, too, you'll have the right. DJ Watt connection, right? Right. And then, uh, so, I mean, Alex Highsmith, he's been great in his career, but I, I, I see, like, Alex Highsmith as a rookie. Herbig is incredibly similar. He's a very yeah. similar type of player. He's not overly explosive. He's not a big player. So I mean, there's definitely the potential there, and I see. I think he'll have some time on the field this year and in, in the rotation. I'm, I'm sure he'll give Highsmith a breather every now and then. So yeah, I think so. Right? I mean, there's only so many snaps you can play Highsmith and T.J. Watt. Like, and right. just the other options aren't great. I mean, you know, Quincy Roche is there, and and I think like. Marvin Leal, like guys like that, that just I don't think you're really gonna trust on a on a regular basis. But I think Herbig has the upside, man. I think I think that's the one that that could emerge from that group, at least as the number three to start his career. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Well, uh, there you have it, folks. Another one in the can. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I always enjoy getting to chat to the tooth himself, Mr. Joseph Hagen. Joey. Thanks so much for coming back on, shooting the shit, dropping the knowledge, and most of all, for just being you. I appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Oh, I love it, man. Thanks again for having me on. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely, buddy. I appreciate it. We get to do this every year, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll run it back again, and we'll talk more at 2020, oh my God, 2024 Edge Defenders next time. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, before we do that, please remind the good folks where they can find you and what you have coming up over at football guys. Uh, you can find me on, at Twitter at Joey the tooth IDP and all of my written work rankings and projections at footballguys.com. Uh, my dynasty projections are going to be in pretty soon, which are going to update the draft dominator. So the draft dominator at footballguys.com is literally, it's a tool we have for you doing startups. It's like you, you input your scoring, you input anything you want. You want your your build to be for the future. You want your build to be when now. It adjusts your rankings for you. So it's all projection based. So we go and we do projections. We do season projections, and then we have your 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 high end, and then your low end. The percentage you think it's gonna hit, and then how many years you think they have left in their career, and it, and it just breaks all down to the, a crazy formula to adjust your rankings to whatever you want to do your build. It's insane what they do with the work with all the, the coding and everything on the tool. But that's what a, one of the funnest things I've been a part of at Football Guys is being a part of that draft draft dominator. So that, that'll be updated really soon with all the rookies in there now. I mean, we have, oh man, there's so many NFL players projected in there. It's it's overwhelming, but it's the, the end product is fantastic. So 
if you need a tool that's going to help you draft, if you really need help, especially with even IDP, if you're new to it, you're not sure because everybody's complaining that the scoring's different, scoring's different, we'll just go to the draft dominator. It doesn't matter. Put in your scoring and it's going to adjust your rankings for you. Projection-based rankings. IDP is not going to have a set scoring. Just do projection-based rankings. It'll adjust for you. Beautiful. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it, man. I love that. Um, that sounds like a really cool tool. Definitely check that out. Check out Joey's work over at Football Guys. I thank you again, good sir. Um, as for me, everything I write is over at pff.com or on Twitter at pff underscore Macri. Uh, and everything I speak is pretty much here on the IDP show feed. So uh, you can find my rookie rankings, dynasty IDP rankings, I think veteran winners and losers I did this week, rookie sleepers, all that stuff over at PFF. Uh, most of it's free as well. So give it a read. I would greatly appreciate it and love you all forever. Um, and I know the fellas over here at the IDP show would also love if you checked out the IDP show draft kit over on the IDP show.com where you can find rankings for dynasty best ball redraft and rookies as well. Uh, some IDP ADP in there, team by team write-ups, breakouts, sleepers, fades, and more only five bucks a month. IDP show.com support those wonderful people with hearts of gold next episode we're looking at this very interesting rookie safety class john glosser is joining me once again to make sense of what these where these guys all fit in and figure out um which ones are worth spending draft capital on so uh until next time idp so 